0: It's always a joy to be able to visit 5th and to work with your team and happily pinch-hit for your pastor, my dear friend, John Cheryl. 67 years ago today, in 1951, someone else was a pinch-hitter. Eddie Goodell went to the plate in his Major League Baseball career debut for the St. Louis Browns, pinch-hitting for outfielder Frank Saviour. Eddie Goodell, he'd been recruited by their manager, Bill Veach, to play a special, crucial, strategic role for the Browns, who were struggling to fill the seats those days at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis. You see, Eddie stood only three feet seven inches tall. When he went to the plate, the opposing manager stormed out of the dugout screaming and demanding validation, proof that he had a major league contract. Beach produced the documents and to the derision, the cheers, the laughter, which wasn't uncommon in his life, he couldn't help that he was a little person. But when he went to the plate, and took his crouch, he might as well have been a giant for the opposing pitcher, whose name is lost to memory, but in no way could he deliver a ball to what was now a four-inch strike zone. <laughs> and four pitches later, with a base on balls, Eddie trotted out to first Base. It was his one and only at bat. But he retired from Major League Baseball with the unbeatable statistic of a 1,000 percentage rate of getting on base. (laughs) It was the story of a little person making a big league difference. This morning's story from 2 Kings chapter 5 is about another little person who made an enormous difference. Let's pray. Father, as we turn now to your word, would you capture our hearts and our imaginations through the talented interpretation of the story bible and ancient stories for modern day that all whisper the name of jesus let us clearly today hear and see from you what we need for we gather not in a show business stunt of trying to sell tickets and seats but our hearts cry to the only hope and that of the universe the only hope of every one of us, the only hope of everyone listening by, by podcast on the internet or elsewhere in this building, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So help us to hear and to see what we need from you today as Crystal comes to read. And together, God's people said,
1: Amen. Amen. Naaman was a very important man in a very important army of a very important country. So you see, he was very, very, very important. But Naaman was sick. He had leprosy, which is a nasty thing that stops you from feeling anything. Bits of you fall off without you noticing like bashed fingers and squished toes. It might sound funny, but it wasn't. And Naaman certainly wasn't laughing. There was no cure. It never went away. And in the end, it killed you. Naaman needed help. Now, there was a little slave girl who worked for Naaman and she knew someone who could help him. But there was a problem. Naaman was her enemy. Not long before, Naaman had led an army, an army raid on her home in Israel. He had killed her whole family, carried her off to Syria, and made her into his slave. Every night, she cried herself to sleep. She had lost everything. Why would she, of all people, want to help Naaman? Didn't she hate him? And want to hurt him back? Didn't she want to make him pay for the wrong he had done? That's what you would expect. But instead of hating him, she loved him. Instead of hurting him back, she forgave him. I want Naaman to get well, she said to her mistress. There's a a man in Israel named Elisha who can heal him I'll go said Naaman loading up his wagons and putting on his flashing armor but I'll go to the palace because that's where someone important like me gets healed so he hurried off to Israel he went straight to the king my healing please he announced i can do lots of things the king replied But only God can heal. Just then, a message from Elisha arrived. Send Naaman here, it read. So Naaman hurried off to Elisha's house, but Elisha didn't even come out and greet him. He just sent a servant instead. Doesn't Elisha realize who I am? Naaman thought. But what the servant said next made Naaman even Crosser, wash in there," he said. "Just wash," Naaman laughed. In that slimy, stinky river, he looked around to see if this was some kind of joke. It wasn't. Any person can wash in a river, he thought. I am Naaman. I am important. I should do something important so God could heal me. And he rode off in a rage. Of course, you and I both know that's not how God does things. All Naaman needed was nothing. It was the one thing Naaman didn't have. God knew that Naaman was even sicker on the inside than he was on the outside. Naaman was proud. He thought he didn't need God. His heart didn't work properly. It couldn't feel anything. You see, Naaman had leprosy of the heart. God was not only going to heal Naaman's skin. He was going to heal his pride. Naaman finally agreed to wash in the river and instantly... His skin became smooth, like a baby. Naaman wanted to pay Elisha. God healed you, you can't pay, Elisha said. It's free. And so it was that a very sick man was healed, all because of a little servant girl who forgave him. God knew sin was like leprosy, It stopped his children's hearts from working properly, and in the end, it would kill them. Years later, God was going to send another servant to forgive as she did, to forgive all of God's children and heal the terrible sickness in their hearts. Their hearts were broken, but God can mend broken hearts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Uh,
0: Mind if I move this stuff? Tempted to play that thing, but, you know. Well, good morning. Again, what a delight uh, to be with you. And I I so uh, love and adore your church. And your pastor and his family, and Jackson and Tucker, who get to be right down here front row. Uh, Tucker and I share the same name. It's my mother's maiden name and my middle name. So, and and there's a special relationship with Jackson. Is I'm the godfather. Uh, yeah. So that's that's just a delight. So you heard the story. Here we have a perplexing setup. This man, naaman, who 's a Syrian from the city state of Aram Damash, which now is today Damascus, and he was captain of the army in today 's setup that would be like general of the enemy army now they were, the, the Israelites had pretty much swept the series against the Syrians back then, but probably in the defeat suffered in first kings chapter twenty two at Ramoth Gilead, we have this episode of history, and we're talking more than 700 years before the ministry of Jesus Christ. This man of eminent power, persuasion, influence, and wealth, and you don't get to be a general by being a pushover. He knows how to get his own way. He's the ultimate insider, walks the corridors of power, is waited on day and night by servants who were taken from defeated enemy lands. And so this Israelite girl, unnamed little girl, is serving in his household and so this man of eminent wealth power and influence though at the end of the introductory sentence we find out has leprosy which in our day is known as hansen's disease and as everyone knows it's caused by the mycobacterium leprae which of course you knew is a acid fast rod shaped bacillus bacteria of a highly contagious by airborne means disease infectious disease of the biggest organ you and I have our skin look at your neighbor make sure their organ is intact good but the trouble was this disease it's horribly Disfiguring and thought to be so contagious that lepers were shunted off into colonies as the disease would make its way, as described in the reading, of eventually affecting the respiratory system and the eyes but its most insidious symptom is it caused the sensory nerves to, fit, to fail and you no longer could feel anything through your skin so the simplest of wounds and cuts would become infected and inflamed and you wouldn't be aware if you'd stepped on a hot ember near the fire and further destruction and it would particularly disfigure the face, and so feared was this disease. In fact, in, 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 in Exodus chapter 4, when Moses encounters God at the burning bush, God has to have a quick acting, convincing means of letting Moses know that he's not monkeying around or not imagining what's happening. And he tells Moses, Stick your hand in your pocket, or more accurately, the cloak, you know, fold in your cloak. And he did, and he said, now draw it out. And when he did, it was instantly white with leprosy. And let me tell you, this scared everything out of Moses. Because he knew, you get this, it doesn't just disappear. And Moses, Now put it back where, in, the, it's in your pocket and take it out again. And the leprosy was gone. And this instantly convinced Moses that he was dealing not with his imagination. But so insidious was the stigma around this disease and the thought that it was so contagious that even in the deck log... Described that persons afflicted with leprosy were made ceremonially unclean. In other words, it was seen as a form of sin, and they couldn't be in the presence of God. They couldn't go into the temple. They couldn't be with other people. In fact, they had to cover themselves and put something over their mouth, and they had to have a sign that said unclean or leper, and they had to shout out everywhere they went, unclean, unclean, so that people would stay away from them. Social serious condition whose worst impact can you imagine for the rest of your life you could never be touched no human contact that's the world view of the servant girl. To, the, to the general who was a gentile he just knew it was awful And despite his victories in wealth and power, he hadn't been to shake it. And I'm sure he employed all of the best physicians and medicine men and so forth in his land. But how it eventually would kill its victims would be through the secondary infections and, as Crystal read, parts of their body would drop away. I visited a leper colony in Zaire in 1984, now the Congo. And I saw that it's not a disease that's disappeared from planet Earth. And a French missionary society was maintaining a hospital there for lepers. And this horrible disease that unfortunately can be easily prevented by regular bathing... But access to water is not something that all persons in the world could get. And so it remains on the face of the earth. And people can still die from this disease. And so this unnamed servant girl, like Eddie at the bat, showed showed a courage that many times outsized her stature. When, if you thought a leader of the oppressor had a disease that the end would be fatal, and you were spoils of war in this man's household, you had been taken and all likelihood parents killed, she would have every justifiable right to say, serves you right, pal, Hope you die slow but soon. But instead, she embodied the character of God Almighty. She, she's a foreshadow of the person of Jesus. And she chooses instead of hatred, love, and speaks to her mistress, if only he could get to my homeland, there's a man there that could heal him. This prophet Elisha. And so, being the ultimate insider, he takes the insider track. He goes to the king of Aram, most likely, and the king is nameless in the story. In fact, both kings' names aren't recorded. It's most likely Ben-Hadad. And most likely Ben-Hadad hooks him up. I'll send a letter. There There was a tenuous truce between the two uh, countries, the, the, an armistice, sort of a ceasefire. It was still a little bit of hostility, and so a letter of passage would be necessary to make it through. And then it says, he took with him the talents of silver and of gold. Now, <clears throat> the the silver would have amounted to Eight I'm sorry, yeah, 750 pounds of silver. And Friday when the markets closed, fil- silver was at $14.70 an ounce. So he's loaded down with $177,210 worth of silver. And then depending on which references you read, that the 6,000 shekels of gold was either... 150 pounds or 600 pounds, which really spreads the... But when the market closed Friday, gold was at $1,184.60. 150 pounds of it comes out at $2,873,840. So add it up, it's a cool $3 million. You know, if it was the 600, we're north of $12 million, but we'll, he, he's loaded. And 10 sets of clothes... Because everybody likes a sharp-dressed man. I guess these were his bargaining ships, and he thought he could go down there and purchase his healing, because that's how insiders do it. But when the news arrives, and when his caravan arrives, and the the Cadillac Escalades pull into the courtyard of the king of Israel at that time, most likely also nameless in the story, Joram, he delivers the letter from the king, and it, it demands... Presence with the man who would heal him. And the king didn't know who it was, but the Joram did. And he thought it was a threat. Because only God could heal. You're telling me to do something that's impossible? This must be a trick, something, or a foreshadow of an invasion is coming, and we're being challenged to war, because there's no way I can meet this demand. And he's so distraught, it says he tore his clothes, which is a public demonstration of grief and remorse that my country is going to be wiped out again. And to Elisha, the man of God, gets word. Elisha. He was the understudy to Elijah, that thundering prophet with the fire and axe and all that kind of language, who when Elijah went to be with the Lord, the only thing that Elisha asked for was a double portion. And that double portion of that prophet's ministry was poured out on him. And what manifests in Elisha's ministry as opposed to Elijah is he's less confrontive in a wholesale fashion to society and is more in a retail grace giving kind of ministry and so this important potentate shows up at his residence somehow and Elisha demonstrated a little bit like Jesus did when they brought the woman caught in adultery and threw her down at his feet what did Jesus do? He ignored them and bit down and wrote in the dirt. As my grandmother would say, if you want to you, you want to know how to boil somebody's potatoes, an important person's potatoes, it's ignore what they're saying. I always wondered what Jesus wrote in the dirt. Whatever he wrote, it caused the guys to drop their rocks and split. I kind of got a feeling he was writing the names of their girlfriends. I mean, that would like, whoa, I'm out of here. Got to go gotta go oil my camel or something (laughs) but Elisha doesn't meet power with power he meets power not really in in a in a mean sort of ignoring but he sends a messenger out to him doesn't even greet him leaves the guy standing out there in the driveway air conditioner running in his escalade he's standing there in the heat not like in any minute and the and the messenger comes out another nameless hero and says hey here's the thing god wants to heal you yes go down to the jordan river and wash seven times and he leaves and Naaman's incensed it says that he's angry Why is he so angry? Because he's offended. Look, I'm not going to go wash in that filthy river. Ever been to Israel? Anyone? Seen this thing? It is a muddy track, isn't it? It's, it's, It's about the color of chocolate milk all the time. And that's not due to modern agricultural practices. It was the same way back then. Do you know it's the river that flows at the lowest sea level of any river on planet Earth? The Jordan Valley. It's hot. It's horrible. It has no economic value. It conducts no commerce. But it was a borderland. And that'll be important. But Naaman is offended and he's incensed. And he's first of all incensed at the simplicity of this. Just go wash in the water? I'm a man who earns his way. I want to be sent on Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. I want, to be, I want to have to go get the wicked witch's broom. I want to be able to provide for my own healing. I want to earn this. And through the prophet, the message comes, you can't do that. And it ticked him off, the simplicity of this message. And then he was all the more ticked off with his three million bucks and you know, cold, hard currency piled up in the back of the Escalades. That you can't buy this. You can't earn this. And then lastly, he was really offended at the exclusivity of the offer. The Jordan? Ah, There's a lot better waters around where I come from the abana or the farrar rivers you ever been there like gorgeous glittering trout streams beautifully cool and refreshing but the jordan this muddy cataract through the desert flowing down from mount hebron the boundary the promised land The line that indicates deliverance has ended and conquest has begun. It's where filthy Gentiles went to be baptized. And later would be the ministry venue of John the Baptist calling people to repentance. Who would always enter this muddy stream from the western side. And be baptized to indicate dying to one life and alive to another and always exited the river on the west so, east side, the promised land. With simplicity, not for sale, and exclusive, graded against everything inside this man. And next, it, with the anger then produces rage he thought he had a dermatological problem but what he really had was a spiritual problem and where's the anger come from it comes from the same place that anger today comes from you know a sentence that saved my life and certainly my sanity 18 years ago, was when somebody informed me that, yeah, generally speaking, there are exceptions, of course, but generally speaking, women become sad and men become angry when they're depressed. It's often said that depression is anger with nowhere to go. And depression's a normative response when the world that you want to live in and the world you are living in are so far apart that you see you'll never go to the world that you want to live in. And it comes out all over the place. I just released a bestseller. and I should have been on the top of the world in my, my youngest daughter at the time, who was quite small, maybe about Jackson's age. Came and poked me. I was sitting at my computer. She said, Daddy. I said, yeah. She said, are you happy? Well, sure, honey. I'm happy. Why do you ask? "Uh, Just checking. (laughs) That just checking sent me on a journey. Saved my life. For whatever reason, Tommy T had the capacity to... I was really good at processing all the negative emotions. Anger. Sadness. I'm Irish grudge holding. Bitterness. I had no idea what to do with the positive emotions. Yeah, there's all kinds of family of origin stuff, and yes, and the therapists really helped me. But it was the admission... And I sat down with someone and said, I'm sick and tired of being angry for no reason at all. And the person said, do you think you're depressed? I said, I I know I'm depressed. She said, I know you are too. I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, you can't just tell somebody this. They'll just argue with you about it. Because you see, the final hero in the story is another nameless servant. Maybe it was a little boy to bring balance to the story, or maybe another little girl. We don't know. But speaks to this man, a leader of the oppressive force, a leader of the people that have us in bondage, a leader of the enemy, and speaks to him, my father Abi in Hebrew term of tender intimacy Abi If the prophet had told you to do some great things, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times. And as the man of God had told him, his flesh was restored and became clean like a young boy. And there dripping wet, said, I now see there's no other God but the one in Israel. And he was delivered from his physical malady and simultaneously set free from his spiritual malady. And I wrap it all up with this. I'm wondering, are there any Naamans out there today who think that you can earn your own salvation That's why we get so upset when bad things happen to good people. It subconsciously reveals that we think if you're good, you deserve a good life, and therefore we can save ourselves. Maybe you've been coming to church your whole life, but the notion of the gospel of grace has been foreign to you because you think even by going to church, I can earn God's favor. Or are you trying to purchase it? You think you can tip your way into heaven with your pocketbook? Or do you just struggle with that notion when Jesus Christ said, "I am the way, the truth and the life." That there's many ways to heaven, not just that one we think. That cannot be true, and the cross of Christ be true at the same time. And you say, but it's so exclusive. And in our world, that's just so narrow. It's not exclusive, it's open to anyone and everyone. A servant girl. He chose the simple things to confound the wise, a dip in a river that still flows today, physically in Jordan and through this church right now in the redemptive love of Jesus Christ. Naaman, stop fighting. Stop letting your anger and depression rule the day. Stop kicking against what the Father would have to you and come home. Receive the healing of our heart that loses its ability to to feel because it's corrupted with selfishness and sin. Be freed from your anger and know the redemptive love of Jesus Christ. Look to the Father today and say, because of what Jesus did, please accept me. On face value, maybe as silly as dipping in a muddy river. But I contend for you and for me. It's the only way. Let's pray. Father, how I thank you for the truth of your word. And the wonderful irony in this story today about this man named Naaman, whose very name means beautiful and pleasant, but was corrupted and ugly, But when He came back to you, you restored even His name. And from sick and disfigured to beautiful, pleasant, restored. Only the God of the universe could change lives like this. In the sound of my voice today, Lord, those who find themselves far from You, on the other side of trying to earn by or bypass, you, the prodigal God, would meet them where they are. Run to them, throw your arms around them, kiss your ring upon their finger. They trust as they trust the atoning work of your Son, Jesus. Let these words find resting places in our hearts, I pray to Gay, O God. This I ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and together God's people said.